Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. Hey, Winnipeg Jets fans. Well, we finally have a couple regular season NHL hockey games to talk about, uh, so let's get at her. I wasn't going to do my written article this week, but I decided to, uh, to, to, to write it, so it's been published, and I'll follow along with that uh, for now. Uh, number one, the Winnipeg Jets went 1-1 one one in their first two games of the season, and they look like a different hockey team in more than one way. The Jets have a tough week. Uh, they got L.A. at home on Tuesday, Vegas at home on Thursday, and then they head to Edmonton for the Hockey Night in Canada late-game doubleheader. Um, I mean, the obvious thing I said here was that, uh, you know, they look like a different team in more ways than one. Well, ob- the obvious way is player personnel-wise. They, uh, they have new players with the guys we got back from L.A. We're not going to beat that to death. And they had a couple returning players that we got late last year. I mean, we got a, we got you know got to know Nino and Vladdy a little bit, but they're back for a full season. And that's what I'm talking about. Like from the start of the season, we have some new faces, and uh, that's the that's the the obvious thing. But for me, when I say we look like a different team, it was the way we played. Um, I've never seen the Jets this proactive at getting the pucks to the net. Uh, the message is starting to be received that uh, not so much east-west hockey, a little more north, yeah, a little more north-south. I'm not going to say they're still going to be creative and do little little curls inside the blue line. But it seemed like, and we all know this, uh, there's certain guys on this team that like to shoot. Casey's one of them. Uh, Nick Ehlers likes to shoot, but he also likes to, <laughs> to dangle and pass a lot. But he really, he was shooting everything at the net. And for the most part, looks like the game plan was everything at the net and forwards crashed the net and uh, it showed in the shot clock. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is the thing about the analytics. Analytics looked really good. You know, uh, you know the course, you know, that stuff looks good. And it always does when you put pucks to the net. So that's always been my biggest pet peeve about that stat. But uh, in the meantime, the, the, the boys did a pretty good job of uh, creating offense. And I was quite happy with the first game in Calgary, even though we lost. Uh, the second game against, uh, I mean, I expected more with being a home game and and all that. Um, and they didn't disappoint. They looked super dangerous. They could have had a ton. Bobrovsky was good. Markstrom was good in the first game in, you know, in Calgary. And the Jets did create a lot of offense uh, from, right from top to bottom through the lineup. So that was, uh, for me, was a nice thing. Ah, we'll move on to number two. <laughs> this is going to be... Uh, I'm glad they're getting this out of the way early. But, uh, so the, I asked the question. I wonder how much vitriol will be spewed at Pierre-Luc Dubois on his first visit back to Winnipeg on Tuesday night. Uh, I I think it's going to be intense. <laughs> um, a lot of fans uh, are really pissed off at him and... They thought that he quit on the Jets. I don't think he did. I mean, I think he was injured. As Rick Bonus said, uh, it was actually in The Athletic. It was Murata Tess uh, was talking about PLD. And, uh, you know, Bonus knew. He said, Rick Bonus said he tried to convince him to come back next year. And he knew that PLD wasn't coming back. He had one foot out the door already. Uh, So I'm not going to say he quit on the team, but he didn't really want to be here. And uh, he also mentioned that uh, 
during the press conferences uh, before the season started, you know, the players that are on the Winnipeg Jets right now all want to be here. And he said that there's a feeling in the room that's different this year because all the guys that are here want to be here. And guys last year knew that PLD wanted out. And he says there is that tension in the room and you can feel it that everybody's not dialed in and committed. And it makes a big difference. And uh, like early on, the camaraderie on the team, they see, I never did buy into that BS about a fractured dressing room and this and that. You know, maybe there was a, a fracture in the sense that a lot of the players knew that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, even from when he first got here, uh, wasn't fully committed and didn't want to be here. But the other stuff we heard about Wheeler and Shifley being the bad apples and this and that, uh, I never really bought into it, especially the Mark Shifley stuff. You know, because all you see during the off season is Shife is here with uh, Perfetti. Shife is visiting Hellebuck down in Michigan. And then they show uh, videos and pictures of Mark Shifley, uh, Josh Morrissey, and Adam Lowry at the Calgary Stampede. And these guys work out together. So I'm not, I was never buying into the Shife stuff. Yeah, Blake uh, got a little sour towards the end, so maybe there was something there. And uh, maybe it had a lot to do with the PLD situation. But that's all cleaned up now. Uh, it looks like all the guys that are here want to be here. It makes for a happy, happier dressing room. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, that's one of the differences. You can even see it during training camp, just with the behavior during the, the rookie camps and the mini camps and all that stuff. So, yeah, good on the Jets. They look uh, they look dialed in. Let's just hope it uh, transfer and translates into wins because that's what makes everybody happy, wins. Uh, number three. Mark Shifley is off to a positive start in the faceoff circle after his first two games, going 32-19 for a winning percentage of 62.8. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's a pretty lofty number. There's no way he's going to hang on to that. But, you know, if he could finish somewhere in that 50, 51, 52 range instead of his traditional mid-40s, uh, that would be terrific, and that's probably one of the reasons the Jets' power play looks so darn good, especially in Calgary. Like, uh, you can say what you want, and the analytics guys can say what they want about, oh, winning faceoffs doesn't contribute. Fuck off. If you start with the puck, <laughs> it's always better to start with the puck than be chasing it. And the Jets' power play, that used to be a big joke between uh, me and some buddies of mine. It was like the Jets would get a power play, so we go, instead of a two-minute power play, it's probably like a minute and 30 because it takes us uh, 30, 40 seconds to get the pack, the puck back into the uh, offensive zone. Well, in Calgary, man, Shifley was dynamite. I don't know when, I don't remember him losing a face-off, especially on the power play. We started with the puck, and we had control for the full two minutes. It's exactly like how the power plays look against us. <laughs> when we're killing a penalty. The other team wins the draw right off the bat. It's instant pressure, and that's exactly how we looked against Calgary. Uh, it was so good to see. Uh, we never scored a goal. Probably should have had a couple on the power play, but just starting with the puck and the puck movement, it looked dangerous. I liked the mix on the power play. Uh, so overall, first two games, uh, not too many complaints. And, you know, keep in mind that basically all the narrative coming out of this podcast by myself is... Uh, needs to be tempered with the fact that this is such a tiny, small sample size. But uh, I'll take a 
positive small sample size over a negative small sample size any day. So we'll just uh, we'll leave that we'll leave that there. We'll carry on to the next one. Number four, Kyle Connor and Neil Pionk are two players I'm looking to have bounce back seasons. You know, Casey's points were okay, but his goal scoring was way down, especially at even strength. Pionk has been off for about a year and a half to two seasons, but he looked much better down the home stretch last season and in the playoffs. Yeah, um, Neil Pionk is what he is. Uh, always tough on him, but you know what? I think the reason I'm tough on him is because he had a good start and he got that uh, that nice juicy contract based on his play in the first season, season and a half, and he hasn't reproduced that since. And like I said last po- podcast, I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack because he plays a big band's game and he's not all that big. So I think he plays hurt a lot. But uh, in saying that, uh, I expect to see more out of him this year. Uh, Casey especially, he was down, I think, 15 to 19 goals from his total two years ago. But the disconcerting part was he seemed to be scoring. He scored, he still got over 30 goals, which is a nice number for most players. But most of those goals were against cupcake teams, cupcake matchups. Uh, lots of power play goal and goals, and he didn't do a hell of a lot uh, at even strength. So we need we need Kyle Connor to be a forty to forty, or even fifty. It's not the way he shoots the puck. It's not out of the realm of possibility for him to snipe forty to fifty goals. But we need those goals at even strength, not just on the power play, and we need them against everybody and the tough teams. What the tough grind is. You know, that's not his style. To me, Kyle Connor is a, a very good to great player. He's a great regular season player that'll get you to the playoffs, but he kind of disappears in the heavy games during the regular season and in the heavy games in the playoffs. But he does contribute to the success of the team. We just need more of it. Like I said, and with Pionk, um, he's a top six guy on this team. Uh, so we need more out of him, and I think we'll get more out of him this year too. So we'll go. Uh, I'll move on to the next one here. Uh, number five. I've noticed. I think I mentioned this earlier too. I've noticed the Jets are putting more pucks to the net and playing a little more straight line hockey. It looks like Rick Bonus's words are slowly sinking in. And then dot 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 for now or so far. Um, yeah, they are. There was it was for me. It was very noticeable. I just. Uh, they got across the blue line. They looked. They looked for. They're still looking for to make their plays. But guys uh, were uh, doing a lot of shooting off the rush, off the wing. The other guys were coming up late, looking for the rebounds, going to the net, and uh, especially that uh, the second line with Ehlers and Nino Niederreiter and Cole Perfetti. Uh, Nick put a lot of pucks to the net and a lot of nice passes to the net when Nino was driving. And oh boy. Niederreiter should have probably had a couple goals. Could have had about four if he had any puck luck. Uh, they were outstanding. I just I just like the way that line looks. That's a that was a good sign. Also, <clears throat> let's move on to number six. So this is interesting. It's human nature to play the blame game. We all do it, but is it fair? Which leads into the Jets poll question. Was it fair? Some fans were blaming Nate Schmidt. For the Jets opening night loss. And of course your choices are yes, no. They added a third one which is, well, yes and no. And uh, 
it kind of needs to be explained and then I get it. Okay, so we're going to start it off. I come at it from different angles and I'm going to try to justify all of them. Okay, let's just say first of all, let's start with <laughs> the consensus that, well, you know what, during the hockey game, there's a hundred odd plays that could uh, to swing the game one way or the other and no one is more or less important than, you know, any other. And so we could say, okay, let's just say this. Well, Connor Hellebuck wasn't exactly sharp. It wasn't his best game. Is it his fault? Hmm. Uh, Nino Niederreiter probably should have had three or four goals. Was the lack of finish <laughs> during this game, was it his fault we didn't win? Uh, then there was the ill-timed, you know, icing by late Nate Schmidt at late in the game um, that, uh, you know, could have been avoided. Did we lose? Is that why we lost the game? It's, it is unfair to bear down on any certain play during the course of a game, um, especially like stuff that's in your control. Stuff that's out of your out of, out of your control. I'll give an example. A perfect example was Rasmus Anderson's high stick on the shorthanded goal. So just on that goal, okay, we have the high stick that was missed. We have the Jets giving up a shorthanded goal. Uh, he lasered a pee into the top corner, but, you know, could Helly have uh, saved that shot from that far out? Probably could have, normally would have. Th three or four things happened on just on that one goal that were, you know, could be easily avoided. Uh, I don't like the missed high stick. That pisses me off because you know, I'm thinking to myself, the first thing I said was, here the fuck, game one already, and we're already getting screwed. I don't understand how four guys on the ice, four sets of eyes miss a high stick. And I'm at the point right now with hockey, like I'm so sick of it. The the officiating and the, and the missed crap is like, I just say, you know, fuck it. Give the coaches two challenges a game and they can challenge anything. Okay, absolutely fucking anything. And if there's no video of it, well, tough titty. You, you, you lose your challenge. But on that one there, especially the second time they showed it, that puck was so far above the crossbar, and yet nobody saw it. And there's a fucking referee was like four feet away, but he wasn't looking like, there's always got to be one guy looking at the puck, right? Well, obviously nobody was. They're all looking around. I don't know what they're looking at, looking for pennies on the ice. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I went on to, hey, it's only two games in and I'm on a, uh, a referee rant. But let's going back to the, the blame game thing. Yeah, so we could have blamed official. Like that early in the game, that goal didn't cost us the game because, you know, we had lots of time going forward. Playing devil's advocate, I will say this for people that, if you want to defend the people that blamed them, Okay. When Mark Shifley scored the tying goal to make it 3-all, there was approximately four minutes left. And the first thought that went into my head, okay, boys, let's play it tight, settle down, let's uh, get this game to OT. You know, if we even if we get a break, maybe we get the, you know, the fourth goal. Get it to get it to overtime, first game of the year, guarantee yourself a point. And, you know, historically, traditionally, we're a pretty good team in overtime. So here's the deal, though. Okay, so at 4-all... I don't care about the previous 56 minutes. They're fucking dead and gone. There's four minutes left in the game. Nate Schmidt had the puck on his stick. Um, 
Yes, they were tired. He probably wasn't thinking straight. They were panicked. I played the game. I get it. I understand it. He had so many things he could have done with that puck. And he had way more time than I think he knew. And was he trying to ice it? Well, fuck, of course he wasn't trying to ice it. You, you know, he's not stupid. He just flipped it. It was ill-advised. He could have pounded it off the boards on the other side of the ice and boys could have got a quick change, okay? So, yes, it's, you know, it's his fault we got the icing, okay? Is it his fault we got hemmed in for that whole shift and everybody was gassed? No. Uh, a lot of Jet fans, once again, they like to bitch. Everybody was bitching, why didn't Rick Bonus call a timeout, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what, before you flap your fucking gums, know the rules, boys and girls. You cannot call a timeout after an icing, okay? So that's, you know, Rick Bonus is an idiot. You don't think he would have called a timeout with, you know, with the time that was left? Okay, so let's just say so far now, okay, the icing was his fault. Those guys having to come back on the ice were his fault, okay? Was it his fault that we lost the draw, lost possession, Calgary scored? Yeah, no, not really. The events of what happened on that goal, a lot of it's on him, but you can't pinpoint one guy. And I'll be honest, the first thing I said after the icing I was, oh, fucking Schmidt, you dumb fuck. If that puck ends up on our net, I'm going to ring your neck, blah, 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 blah. Typical fan speak, you know, emotional at the moment. After having some time to <laughs> to reflect and sit back and look at it, you went, there was probably 50 events in that game that could have changed it. Uh, and that one, uh, yeah, it was big. And it, like I say, it's because of the timing of it. It was like Kyle Connor, was it last year or two years ago? minute left in the game, he's got the puck six inches from the blue line and he fucking bobbles it. Puck ends up in our net. Was it his fault? Damn right, it was his fault. But, you know, it's it's one play... The clock has a here. Let's put it this way, the fair thing to do. The play clock dictates <laughs> the urgency of uh, of the mistake, put the magnifying glass on the mistake. And is it fair? Uh, like I said, my answer is both. I'll go yes and no. It's not fair, but yes, it is. Uh, it, we're all mindful of the clock. So, ah. Uh, and I'm not going to crap on Nate Schmidt. He didn't have a very good year last year. He looks like he's our weak link this year. I still like him. He does a lot of good things. But uh, once again, I get pissed off at guys that make too much money, and he makes too much money. And that's probably not fair either. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. So we'll move on to number eight, the goaltending stats. Well, of course, there's only been two games played, and hell, he's played them both. Yeah, his record is one and one. His goals against average is a scintillating 4.07, and his save percentage is 8.52. Now, of course, those numbers are awful. And, you know what, and a lot of them, like I say, it goes by uh, uh, the, the play clock, uh, dictates a lot of what, what you see and how you interpret it. But uh, uh, in the game against Florida, the Panthers scored their second goal 25 seconds into the second period. Made it two to one. Uh, then Kyle Connor scored literally the next shift, so the game was two all for the longest time, and we took a three two lead, a four two lead, and I believe uh, we went up five to two late in the game with maybe three four minutes left. The Panthers had pulled their goalie a couple times, and they actually scored twice before we uh, 
finished her off with an empty netter to make it 6-4. But here's the thing. From that 25-second mark of the second period, literally to basically to the uh, last five minutes of the third, Kelly shut the door. He absolutely shut the door on the Panthers, and that's why we won that hockey game. So, uh, yeah, you can look at statistics like the goals against and the save percentage and all that and of course this time of year the sample size is so uh, so small it means it's basically meaningless but uh, I have no doubt and I have no worries about what Connor Hellebuck's numbers will be come the season and so on but you know, I just printed it because that's what I do uh, we'll go to number well like I say we'll go to number nine but Laurent Bossois of course he's listed there but he hasn't played yet I would assume he'd play a game one of the games this week um, we'll move on to number nine uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly this week. Um, the good, I said, was the team depth looks better than it ever has. You know, the Jets don't actually have any plugs on their fourth line. Like, you know, we have a fourth line with Rasmus Kupari. Uh, <laughs> you got Vladdy Domestikov and Morgan Barron. That's pretty good fourth line. As a matter of fact, I think they might be a better line than Lowry <laughs> and Appleton. But although... I can't lump in Ayafalo there because he's a pretty good player. But we have four lines that can play. And the thing I love about our fourth line, and I said this in my last podcast, I thought that last year's fourth line was a major improvement from the year before's. And this year's fourth line is a major improvement from last year's. This fourth line looks good. Kumpari can skate and he has skill. And um, I just like that... uh, these guys don't look to get the puck and dump it out. Yeah, they got hemmed in. Well, actually, they're the line that really got hemmed in in that, uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> the infamous uh, Nate Schmidt icing play in uh, Calgary. But that's going to happen. They're all young guys, right? Got no problem with them. I like the way they play. I like the way they compete, and I like their skill level. That's a great looking fourth line. Probably the probably the best we've ever had that I can remember in Jets 2.0 history. So uh, for me, that was the good. Uh, the bad was ah, you know, I had to pick something, so I just went. The lack of uh, finish against Calgary sure they had more goals than we got. Uh, that'll all you know come out in the wash, and uh, that should be okay. And I said uh, the ugly. Well, there was really no ugly as far as the Jets players were concerned. <laughs> I said, oh, unless we count the officiating versus Florida on Saturday. I don't know. Two games in, and I'm already ranting on officiating. God, they're awful, and I'm not going to get into uh, much much more than that. And I'm going to leave one thing. Uh, <laughs> on my written article and my podcast because I talk sports with so many people, you know, baseball, NBA, football, CFL, NFL, hockey, AHL hockey, junior hockey. So I want to leave one spot for a rant or a, or just a thought, you know. And so I just call it random. And <laughs> this is it. Enough with the rugby scrums in the CFL and the NFL. Blow the effing whistle once the forward progress is stopped. Quicker whistles, please. Uh, it's You know, I really remember it with Andrew Harris and the, and the Bombers. You know, he would get to a point, kind of get stopped, and then the big lineman would come in and lift him up, and they'd carry him for five yards. And to me, that's not even in the spirit of the football. And, you know, you see it in both leagues now. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens. As soon as a guy kind of gets stopped, and the reason they, these guys don't go down is because the opposing players aren't trying to tackle them. They're trying to stand them up, and you've got three, four guys ripping at the ball, trying to rip it out. I say enough of that crap. 
forward progress or stop, blow the whistle, and let's stop the, you know, the, the like the, the scrums and the, well, the tush push is a different play because that, that play starts before the snap at the goal line. And if, uh, if you know what's coming, it's just basically your bulk against our bulk and we'll see who can push harder, right? But the plays where the guy goes seven yards down the field, he's kind of stood up, guys are ripping at the ball, then the big linemen come in and push him five yards. That's got to stop. To me, that's not football, that's rugby. I like rugby, don't get me wrong, but if I wanted to fucking watch rugby, I'd get <laughs> New Zealand Sportsnet and watch the All Blacks. Enough with that. Blow the fucking whistle. And on that note, <laughs> I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. We'll get back next week. We have, we'll have three more games to talk about. Two tough home games and a game against the dreaded, hated Oilers. Um, be nice to get... You know, I always look for... You know, at the worst 500 since there's three games this week when I'm going to go to the upside of it and say I'd like to get, uh, you know, two two out of three wins. But, uh, yeah, we got to just, you know what, my thing is let's take care of our home games, go a little bit over 500 on the road. We'll have a really, really, really good team and, uh, and bring some joy back to Jetsville. Uh, another point I want to bring up that I had forgotten that, uh, you know, really this, I, this doesn't surprise me, but uh, it concerns me. Uh, Jets opening night, I don't care, it's like baseball, you know, baseball, even shitty baseball teams sell out their first game and then the the attendance plops down after that. The Jets were 2,000 fans short against against Florida on Saturday afternoon. Now, was it because it was a Saturday afternoon game? Uh, I don't know that it should matter, but it's concerning. So let's go, Jet fans. Let's get out there and support them if you can. And once again, thanks for stopping by and listening to me. Yak. <laughs> Yak all day. Uh, you know where you can find us, WinnipegHockeyTalk.com, you know, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio, all the other places. Uh, tell your friends about it. Uh, if you like it, like I say, and I would say this to you guys, that, uh, you know, Comment, uh, comment on it in on the website. There's a there's a spot there where you can post comments on the article or uh, or the podcast. I like to get some feedback from you. And if you have some ideas for uh, some topics and some other things you'd like to hear, by all means, shoot me a sh- shoot me a DM on Twitter or shoot an email. So, uh, in the meantime, let's hope the Jets have a, a good week, get a couple wins, and uh, I'd prefer <laughs> the. A win on Saturday night in Edmonton because I hate those guys, but uh, that's another story. So uh, until next week, we'll say goodbye.